When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into a bonus edition of the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Back by popular demand, the dynamic duo, Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner. Listen, Jamie, the people ask for it. They get some bonus content of you and I uh, talking fantasy football here. We have, we're catching up. We're making sure that we're all caught up. There's a big game next week. I don't know if you heard about it. It's the Super Bowl. So we're going to have a lot of content for that. So we are keeping up with your way too early fantasy football mock draft. We are into the fourth round. 12 more players to talk about. Are you excited as we get this started? I am very excited, but I want to say right off the top before we get into this that obviously there's that big game you're talking about coming up a week from Sunday. We're going to have plenty of coverage for you next week. That's why we're going with the bonus episode right now to kind of get through this mock, talk some fantasy players, uh, talk some rookies today. It's going to be really exciting, so there's going to be some interesting conversation there. Uh, but if you're looking for all the other stuff, get ready. Monday's show, we're going to talk about the best fantasy destinations for Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford via trade. I know we got into that with Jake a little bit earlier this week, but we're mm-hmm. going to talk a fantasy-specific angle with that. We're going to look back at the Senior Bowl and talk about running backs and receivers that could be late round or potentially high waiver wire steals for you in fantasy drafts next week. We'll have plenty of Super Bowl week news and notes. And then really special show. Stay tuned for the latter portion of the week. Uh, that's going to replace our typical TDN against the spread show on the weekly basis. There's going to be a really, really exciting show. I won't give it too much away, but mm-hmm. we're going to talk about tons of props. There's going to be very special guest. NFL Hall of Famers might be on this oh, show. Really? Uh, this is going to be a really, really exciting week of Super Bowl action coming up. So you're going to get your fill. Trust me. Please, we are not big game action. That. Big game action, please. Nah, you already said you said Super Bowl to start it. I don't care. Come after me, Roger. You're busy with other stuff. Uh, so we're going to have, uh, it's going to be covered wall to wall for you. So we are not ignoring that, but we did want to kind of get, you know, a little bonus show here to make sure we don't get too far behind in this mock draft schedule. Yeah. And this, listen, we've talked about this at every juncture of doing the, the, this mock draft, but this is a really nice gauge to be able to go back to when drafts start happening at the latter part of the summer. So we want to get through this. So we have this now, uh, you know, in digital form, we have it in, in written form on the website. So then we can go back to it and give, give you our thoughts as our, maybe our opinions change between now and drafts in, you know, late June, July, and in September, uh, in August, excuse me. So we will get this started. Jamie, you mentioned rookies and we're coming out of the gates firing with a rookie because the first pick of the fourth round joining a team and I'm going to give you uh, what other picks have been made by all of these teams throughout this process joining Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs and Cam Akers so after going wide receiver wide receiver you're going running back running back 
And you're not going with Travis Etienne, Jamie. It's Najee Harris coming off the board here at 4.1. So talk about this pick. But then I also want you to kind of expand on how you feel about the rookies offensively for fantasy in this class overall. This is going to be a fascinating one because we, we're always projecting, but we're, and we talk about how pending free agents kind of uh, their value is kind of all over the place, and we try to find a middle ground to place them. It's even more chaotic with rookies because the reality is is fit's going to mean a lot. And mm-hmm. it's not only just offensive scheme fit, it's who else is around them. How quickly is their path to getting touches? Do they, are they going to be splitting touches? A lot of times, are they going to be on the field for third down, which is going to be the big key for a lot of these players? So I'm trying to kind of weigh all of these and look at who needs running backs. And, you know, I looked at the six prior mock drafts to me doing this. And it was, he was, Najee Harris was mocked to the Jets three times. I uh, was mocked to Dolphins, excuse me, he was mocked to the Dolphins three times, mocked to the Jets once, Cardinals once, Falcons once. Those are the kind of teams that are in the mix there. Uh, I would argue the Steelers are in contention as well. I just don't think they're going to be able to get one of these top two options. I think they're, they're going to probably get one of the two UNC backs, which, will, which is a different conversation for a different day. Uh, but for, for this point, I was trying to figure out who I liked more. And I'm starting to kind of feel like the buzz is that Harris is going to be the first running back off the board. Really strong finish to the season. Really strong college football playoffs. Showed some pass catching prowess that I was a little maybe uh, more skeptical about when the season began. Uh, I think he could truly be a doesn't come off the field three down running back for one of these teams. And if he goes to, let's say, the Jets, the Cardinals, or the Falcons, or excuse me, Jets or the Falcons in particular, he's going to be on the field for every down. Mm-hmm. Question is, is, does he go to Miami? Does Miles Gaskin come back on for third downs? I think that's very possible. Uh, and, and, and using Gaskin in that sort of a role. Same thing with the Cardinals and Chase Edmonds. But to me, I think in that case, I'm looking for the guy that I think has the best and highest touchdown potential. And I think of the rookies coming in right now and fits and the ability to play right away, I think it's going to be Najee Harris right now, but let's see how the draft plays out. Because again, where these guys end up is going to be a huge deal in terms of, obviously it's not exactly breaking new ground here, but it's going to be a huge deal in terms of where you value them. Because if they go somewhere with a more complicated running back situation, you might have another J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift-like scenario, even Jonathan Taylor-like scenario where you're going to get your returns in the back half of the season, but you're going to have to take some lumps early on and not really get what you're expecting, despite the fact you're going to have to spend this sort of draft capital on. And I also think it's important to note that, yes, we are in the fourth round of this mock draft, but there is risk associated with taking an unknown, taking a rookie, even if when you're making these selections, you know, come the summertime, you're going to know team fit. You're, you're going to have a better idea of what the usage is going to be for, for an Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne or any of the other rookies that might come up over the process of us doing this. But, but Jamie, it is still risky to do this. So I, I love what you said. You have to look at this and say, where, who is going to be more than likely put into the best situation uh, day one, week one from the ground running. And it probably is Najee Harris because he's going to be out there a lot, especially in some of the more advantageous scenarios, like you mentioned, New York and Atlanta. And look, and we're going to get into a couple of the other running backs. This is not a very running back heavy round for a change. No, so yeah, I'm, no. I'm sure everybody can rejoice on that. Uh, but I think you're already in risk territory here, which is why I feel very comfortable with the rookies being here. And we'll, we'll talk about where, I mean, there's, there's two rookie running backs going this round. Spoiler, we'll talk about ETN in, in a few picks. <laughs> but uh, to me, it's like now you're looking in the, you're in like the Joe Mixon range. You're in the David Montgomery range. You're in some of these ones where I don't necessarily feel that much more confident in what I could possibly get from these guys than the unknowns of these rookies. Yes. 
and the fact that there's a couple of these teams that are going to just give these guys the ball right away. Like, I mean, if he goes to, goes to your team, Chris, he goes to the Jets at the top of the second round. He's getting the ball a lot. Who else is getting the ball? Like, I mean, Michael P. Ryan shouldn't be stealing carries. No, and, and if you're going to have more than likely a rookie quarterback as well, they're going to want to run the ball a lot, right? That's going to be yes. the, the LaFleur offense, right? The Shanahan-style offense, they're going to run the ball a lot. So, yeah, that is super advantageous. And, and I'll throw another term out there to talk about what you're saying. The risk here with some of these rookies compared to the establishment running backs, the guys who've done it for a couple of years, the production that we've seen isn't enough, I think, to outweigh the potential upside of some of these risks, right? Uh, I, I think they're close enough to where you can take these risks because leaving maybe a David Montgomery or a Joe mixing on the board you're not you're not leaving that much out there no because i don't expect david montgomery to repeat what he did in the second half of the season i think that's that's fool's gold mm -hmm. uh i i look they ran the ball a ton and and if laser is going to be calling plays and they do that again there's a risk that i look foolish saying this but i just i don't think he's all that talented i think he can do a lot with a high volume and that's all you need at the end of the day in fantasy. You just want the production. You're not, you're not rooting for the most talented team. You just want the most productive one. But to me, I also I look at just the potential of what these guys can be, particularly in the second half, and particularly for a team like this where you know, they kind of got stuck at the end of the first round. It, it's, it's a decent problem to have being stuck with Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs, but you get stuck going wide receiver, wide receiver. So you know you're going to have to take some chances at the running back position in order to really compete with the running backs at the very top that everybody else has already drafted ahead of you. You know, getting Cam Akers to, to end the third round, a young, high upside guy in an offense that should run the ball a ton, and getting Najee Harris, a young, high upside guy that, should be, that could very well be an offense that runs the ball a ton, put your team in a very good position to, if things click right, you could be a league winner. And I think that's what you're looking for here. This is, again, we're not talking dynasty yet. We're talking redraft. Because Dynasty, to me, you got to wait to see what the team fit looks like because you have to look at a broader picture. Mm -hmm. But for a redraft here, the goal, as I remind everybody, is to win a championship. And if you leave the draft and you don't think your team is good enough, in the best-case scenario, to again, best-case scenario, everybody stays healthy, your projections in your mind play out the way you want them to. If you leave a draft without thinking you're going to win the championship, you didn't draft well enough. Right. And sometimes you have to take some of these risks and understand that you know, look, if, if you had Jonathan Taylor at the beginning of the year, you weren't very happy in, for a while there, or DeAndre Swift, but you were pretty happy in the late half of the year. Same thing with J.K. Dobbins. And the thing to me is I think these guys have a clearer path. Like, Jonathan Taylor came in. We thought Marlon Mack was going to get the lion's share of the workload, and he might have if he didn't get a catastrophic injury. We don't know how that would have played out because there were times where Jordan freaking Wilkins was getting carries over Jonathan Taylor. DeAndre Swift was just adept coaching. Uh, right for well, whatever, but we knew right. We, coaching. But we knew from the early stages that it was going to be tough for him to get carries with everybody that they were using there, including Adrian Peterson. It was just tough. It was like, okay, at some point this will break through. But we know this, and I think with J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore, we've talked about it. They had Mark Ingram, they have mm -hmm. Gus Edwards. There's a lot of options there. Whereas I think these guys could potentially go into situations where there isn't that logjam, there isn't that positional bottleneck that would keep them from realizing their potential in year one. So I think it's a great point there uh, by the you. only one, Chris, before we move on to pick two the mm -hmm. only one that i will be cautious with is miami and i know they're like the most likely one to take one of these top running and that's backs, because of gaskin i would assume yes because i think Gaskin is serviceable and i think his best role is to be this complimentary third down back i don't think they want him to take on the full role that he had to take on this year i think they like him as a change of pace third down catch the ball pass block type of a back because he's capable I do worry if they're going to take a guy like Najee Harris off the field or, or Travis Etienne, for that matter, off the field, especially early in the season for more veteran presence. Hopefully, 
there'll be some sort of, it's going to be a bridge, but some sort of preseason and training camp that will kind of have a better gauge mm -hmm. as we start to get into the heavy draft season of how they want to use these backs. But that's the only one that could throw a little bit of a wrench in the plan, but I still think I'm going to trust the talent. And if you're going to take one of these guys off the field on third downs, give me the one and two down value and the touchdown value of Najee Harris over Travis Etienne, who I think needs to be on the field for third downs to truly give you that RB2 value. All right, we move on to pick number two, and this, this gentleman will be joining a team of Travis Kelsey, Ezekiel Elliott, and Adam Thielen. And, and Jamie, the name that I'm about to utter might be surprising to some people that he has made it here to the fourth round, and I would assume that this is not because of the injuries that plagued this guy in, in 2020, but because of the potential change at the quarterback position, the likely change at the quarterback position. Michael Thomas, wide receiver of the New Orleans Saints, comes off the board here with the second pick of the fourth round. Can't believe that if you would have told me a year ago that I would have had Michael Thomas as my wide receiver 15, who's healthy right now, uh, I, I would not have believed that. But Jamie's going to have well, a tight end throwing him the football next year. Well, and that's the problem. Uh, Drew Brees is going to retire, I, I fully expect. I, I don't expect an about face on that front. And Thomas only averaged 13.8 fantasy points per game when Taysom Hill was his quarterback. I mean, that, that's got to be concerning. Now, he was uh, close to an 18-point-per-game player with Teddy Bridgewater the year prior. So I have to kind of factor in what I think is going to be the quarterback situation. But right now, the most likely starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints in week one is Taysom Hill. And I think with that in mind, I can't rank him any higher than this. Mm -hmm. I, that is going to depress the value across the board for all Saints. And by the way, the team might not be, is quite frankly, just not going to be as good. Up and down. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not trying you, to be. You talked about this with with Joe Marino on the Draft Dudes podcast, trying to figure out how you how you yeah. fix this cap situation. Yes, you could trade Marshawn Lattimore, but you might have to trade Ramchek. You might have to trade. You know, you you might have to make these decisions that are going to have trickle down effects on the offense. It's going to hurt Alvin Kamara a little bit, as we talked about when we did the first round of this mock draft. It's going to hurt Michael Thomas a lot. Yeah, and listen, I, I know I call Taysom Hill a tight end playing quarterback, and I don't mean to be offensive to Taysom Hill because he is fun to watch, but, but let's, let's be realistic about what he brings value-wise to the quarterback position. It's not Drew Brees, even as bad as we saw Drew Brees become at the latter stages of 2020. Jamie, I don't think the expectation is that you're looking at a top-half fantasy quarterback in Taysom Hill. Yeah, the running element might help, but in terms of his, his, his arm and his passing ability, that's going to depress the value of a Michael Thomas because the situation just isn't ideal. It's a situation where I think if you're going to take a guy in the first two rounds like a Michael Thomas, you're betting on, I know the fit, I know the situation, I know what the expectations are. I think we need a couple of weeks in New Orleans to see what this looks like. I think we need the first quarter of the season to be able to determine how does Taysom Hill fit into this offense? Is it everything that Sean Payton has talked it up to be over the last couple of seasons? We saw it a little bit when Drew was hurt this year, but not enough to, I think, gauge here. So that's why Michael Thomas falls to the fourth round, because I think you're going to need four weeks to figure this out. Look, he's probably not going to be there. I'm looking at like early, not, not early ADP at this time of year, but early mocks from other outlets now that, uh, now that there are more places have started to put them out there. Because when I started doing this, not, nobody else really had so one So we out. were first. We were first on this. We were among the first. If we weren't first, we were like the first two or three. Okay. Uh, but uh, so because I, I didn't want to look at anybody else's before I got deep into this because I didn't want to be influenced. I want to go, okay, what do I truly think, you know, based on my research and, and my information? But to me, there are so many good receivers. And, you, and we saw it this year. We saw it next year. Or, and we're going to see it next year. If I'm going to spend premium, premium value, which is a top 10 wide receiver spot, if I'm going to spend that sort of value on a receiver, I better be either damn sure that I'm going to get a very safe return or know that I have a chance to have league winning upside. And right now, 
I don't think Michael Thomas's ceiling is anything we've seen from him before. Like, I think we are dealing with a completely different receiver and situation than we've dealt with in the past in fantasy. But I, I, I want to defend you here a little bit because this could very easily get onto the roast next year. So I'm going to come to your aid here ahead of time. This isn't as much about the talent of Michael Thomas, right? Like, I don't Correct. think we're, we're saying here, Michael Thomas is falling off of a cliff. Don't take him in the first two rounds. No, we're saying the situation, who his quarterback is going to be, since we don't know. Sean Payton, Sean Payton for the first time in a really long time, uh, Jamie, he's got to change his offense. He has to change what he's doing. So we don't know what that's going to look like. And, and look, I'm not saying Michael Thomas isn't talented. Of course he is. He's not just the LOL slant boy like we see on Twitter all the time. But a lot of his game, for fantasy purposes, was volume-based. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was volume based, knowing like you felt comfortable knowing Drew Brees was going to target him X amount of times. And then he, then the talent would take over. Some of it was going to be, a lot of it's going to be short. Was going to be those slant plays. I just don't know if that volume is there anymore because in the short sample size that we saw, we saw a dip in volume with Teddy Bridgewater, but not nearly as much. We saw a massive Valley when Taysom Hill was the starter. I understand that there's going to be some pushback that, well, if you give Taysom Hill a full off season, you give all this other, I just don't think Taysom Hill's a good quarterback. I, as a Swiss Army knife all over the field, he gives you potentially a bunch of roster flexibility because he can be your backup quarterback. He can play on special teams. You can put him at, at, as mm-hmm. a, like a third tight end. Like there's a lot of real-life football flexibility that Taysom Hill gives you. But in terms of a arm talent and in terms of playing the quarterback position, he's going to be among the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL next year. But I think your statement there about give Taysom Hill a full offseason is exactly why Michael Thomas finds himself this low on the board, because it's still an unknown. By, by making that statement, you're asking us to, to accept that th- this idea that Taysom Hill in this offseason is going to put it all together, that they're going to craft an offense. That means you're opening the door for an unknown. You're admitting that there's an unknown here. And I think, Jamie, what you're doing in this mock draft is you're adjusting for that unknown. You're taking the talent of Michael Thomas and saying, listen, I'm not going to have him drop out outside of the fourth round, but I am going to adjust from the normal place that we see Michael Thomas because Taysom Hill is his quarterback, and we don't know what that's going to be. All right. we will. Because if I told you I'm going to put Michael Thomas on Philadelphia, I just traded him to Philadelphia. I mean, I certainly think he moves up the board from where he's sitting right now. How much, though? Because I don't think it's that much. Like, I don't think I love the quarterback situation there more. And that's where, that, that's where I think – have this own exercise internally. Like, and there's not a, there's not a, there's not a one-to-one comp. Like I'm not comping Jalen Hurts to, to Taysom Hill. But Can I tell you where I'd is, put him? Where would you put him? I would put him above Julio and below Allen Robinson. So 12. Uh, he, so right now he would yeah, be. that's my wide be, receiver 12. He would be 3-7 in, because you took a wide receiver. You took Julio with 3-7 in the last. So I'm yeah. looking at your mock draft. Okay. That feels right that's, to me. Okay. So, okay, perfect. That's, that's a great example there. So that puts him at wide receiver 12, because that's where Julio was. So if he's jumping him, he moves to wide receiver 12. It's about a half round sooner. Mm-hmm. Do that exercise for yourself, because where do you reasonably expect Taysom Hill to rank as a passer? You don't care what Taysom Hill is doing running. Taysom Hill doing running does not help Michael Thomas's fantasy value. No, it doesn't. So, I, I, you know what I mean? So to me, it, put him on, make some sort of arm talent comp, or at least skill level comp for fantasy, stick Michael Thomas on that team, and then where do you have him? Like, I think so. It's reasonable to expect that you might get improvement from Taysom Hill as a passer. I don't think that's crazy to expect. But be realistic about where that would still put him in the NFL's hierarchy. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I agree 100% in your assertion there. All right, we keep moving. We've gone rookie. Then we went Michael Thomas. Why don't we add a pending free agent to the list, meaning we don't know where this player is going to play next year. 4.3, Jamie, joining Austin Eckler, DeAndre Hopkins, and Miles Sanders is 
I think the best receiver available in this free agency class, Chris Godwin. I think it's arguable, but I'm not going to talk down my favorite guy. I think Chris, a healthy Chris Godwin and a healthy Kenny Galladay are really close for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the talent level, I think they are the bells of the ball, as one would say. But I kind of fully expect, maybe foolishly, uh, but I kind of expect him to be back in Tampa Bay next year. Uh, I, I think his kind of, I wouldn't say meh finish, that's not fair, but his inconsistent finish, and I think was no better example than the NFC Championship game where he's, as a case of the drop sees again and then makes just an unbelievable catch over the middle of the field, falling down and, and crumpling to the ground there. Uh, to me, I just, he was the best from fantasy perspective. He was the best Buccaneers receiver this year. Uh, he was even more average, more points per game than Mike, uh, the Mike Evans over the last two years, only Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, and Tyree kill have averaged more points per game. Uh, I mean, That's he has good. been remarkably consistent Tom Brady really came into his own in the second half of the year. Like they really started to click offensively. I brought this up with Mike Evans. I think there's a potential for this to be an elite NFL offense next year. I think they have a chance to do maybe not exactly what they did over the final like handful of games post by because they were putting up stupid numbers, but they have a chance to be the best offense in the NFL next year. I think they have a really good chance. And if Tom Brady with a full off season, Evans comes back healthy. Godwin re-signs is healthy, whether or not they bring in Antonio Brown. Like, this offense has a chance to be elite again. And all that feeling out period of the offense and what's Tom Brady going to be with his receivers, that goes away. I don't think these, these drop issues that we have seen in the last few weeks are going to stay for Chris Godwin, knowing the kind of work ethic he has. I imagine that's going to be – and the fact that it hasn't been an issue for him in the past, I imagine that's going to be a big point of emphasis. Him and the drugs machine are going to be hanging out a lot this offseason. Uh, so, to me, I love him in this spot here. I think he's going to be a little bit of a value. We know he has top five upside. We've seen it before. Now, it was with Jameis and the volume. And I think this is what goes back to the Michael Thomas conversation. Like, nobody is saying that Jameis Winston's a better quarterback than Tom Brady, but the volume allowed Chris Godwin to really shine. Right. That volume allowed Michael Thomas to really shine. But uh, to me, I love him in this spot here. I think he's he, if you can get him as a, a high-end wide receiver too, like this team does with DeAndre Hopkins, I think you're giving yourself such an amazing base with Austin Eckler, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, three of your four picks. I think Miles Sanders is a little bit more of a wild card, uh, but you give yourself just such a tremendously high floor with this team with those three of your top four options. Uh, I'm really happy with the way this team is panning out so far. We keep rolling. Pick 4.4, joining Devontae Adams, Antonio Gibson, and Chris Carson. Another receiver who potentially doesn't know what his quarterback situation is going to be for 2021. Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin of the Washington football team. Jamie, I would assume that in your blurb about this player, it is all about, since we don't know who the quarterback is going to be, it's tough to put him any higher than where he is right now. It is, and I want to put him so much higher. You love Scary Terry. That's your your guy. He's from, and, and by the way, he was the guy that I poo-pooed his rookie season. I was all on the, who, who was the slot guy they had there that's no, no longer there anymore? Uh, go, go look that up for me. Who, who's going to be the starting? I'll, I'll know the name the second team. you say it. Uh, I yeah, just can't remember. Hold on here. Uh, because I remember we were trying to figure out in the preseason, like, is any Washington receiver worthwhile? And nobody thought of many names. There were a couple people that said, hey, well, watch out for Terry McLaurin. Uh, it's like Trey something or? Trey Quinn? Trey Quinn, yeah. So I was like, maybe Trey Quinn? No, the answer was Terry McLaurin. The problem with him is that the quarterback situation still kind of sucks. And I just, I can't, I want to put him higher. I, I, as a leader of a football team, as a talent, off the charts. 
But the last two seasons, he ranks as the, the wide receiver 24 in average points per game. This year, he was the wide receiver 20 in both cat, both total and average points. That's kind of where I think he finishes. Like, I, he has the upside. If he got great, if they bring in, you know, if they brought in a Matt Stafford, he's a, he goes into wide receiver one territory. Well, and I was just going to say that, like, I think to put a positive spin on what you're saying here, look where Terry McLaurin fits into your draft with the quarterback play of Dwayne Haskins. Right, Dwayne Haskins was throwing him the ball for the first and portion Alex of the Smith season. And Alex Kyle Smith, Allen, and Henneke, and right, and he finds himself here. So think about if he could get competent quarterback play or above-average quarterback play, Matt Stafford, like you mentioned, that where that would put him. So I think you have you have a lot of upside here if the quarterback situation gets figured out. But if they're rolling into next year with Alex Smith as their starting quarterback, you all of a sudden go, I'm not that sold. Yeah, it just that that's kind of where I am. I think he's right now. I look at him as a high floor guy based on I'm assuming they're going to come to some sort of combination of the guys that they already have there in Washington are going to come back and play and be their starting quarterbacks next year. If they get, if they make a major upgrade, we'll talk and he'll shoot up the boards as mm-hmm. he should because his talent, he has wide receiver one talent. I just don't, he doesn't have a wide receiver one situation. Yeah. All right. We keep rolling. Another wide receiver coming off the board here at 4.5 joining Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, and Robert Woods. It is Amari Cooper, Jamie, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. We've been, we've been talking a lot about uncertainty at the quarterback position. That's been a recurring theme in Dallas for the last couple of years with the Dak Prescott contract situation. It goes again this offseason. He is also returning from that severe injury. So, Jamie, Amari Cooper going here 4.5. Like him in this spot. Like, there are a lot of just – this is a really fun spot for wide receivers for a lot of reasons. You know, despite the erratic quarterback play from week six on for Dallas following Dak's injury – Still at the end of the year, you looked up, Amari Cooper was the wide receiver 15 in total points, 21 in average fantasy points per game. I know that's not where you drafted him, but considering he had second, third, and fourth string quarterbacks throwing him the ball for for two-thirds of the season, I think it could have been a whole lot worse. He was a top 10 wide receiver when Dak was playing, wide receiver nine uh, in that period of time. He was a wide receiver 10 in total points last year with Dak. Like, you know what he has. If Dak is back and healthy and looks like himself, you're getting a wide receiver one here for what, a mid-wide receiver two price? Yep. But there is a little bit of risk in the sense that how healthy is Dak going to be? Is he going to be back? Is there going to be a prolonged holdout? Do they trade, tag and trade him? If they tag and trade him, are they tag and trading him to get a guy like Stafford? Like, I mean, there, there's so many questions here. I know Dallas has kind of been out of sight, out of mind because of the Deshaun Watson news and the Matthew Stafford news, but they're in a very intriguing spot as well. And they would actually be in a more advantageous situation as we talked about with Jake. Again, it's pie in the sky, and they can't offer what Miami or the New York Jets could offer. But from a cap standpoint, they're in a much better situation to take on a guy like Deshaun Watson than they are to pay Dak Prescott right now. Absolutely. I would agree 100% with that. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. All right, we keep it moving. The run on wide receivers is officially uh, underway. Uh, We're seeing a run on wide wide receivers like we've seen a run on GameStop stock this week, Jamie. Kenny Galladay here at 4.6, and I think – I'm going to try to put words in your mouth and you'll tell me that I'm stupid and wrong for thinking this, but I would say the reason Kenny Galladay finds himself here is because he's going to be going from Matt Stafford throwing him the football to more than likely somebody who is not as good as Matt Stafford throwing him the football. Probably, but it's, we got to figure out what the situation is. I wouldn't be shocked if he is Deshaun Watson throwing him the football in Miami. Like, I mean, it's so this is, this is kind of a, Miami's got some money to spend in free agency. I know everybody's worried about them giving up this draft capital. I'm perfectly fine with saying, you know what? I'm going to forego Jamar chase and I'm just going to go with Deshaun Watson and Kenny Galladay. I think you'd be okay with that. Uh, 23.8 million in effective cap space right now for the dolphins. Yeah. They have enough money to make it work. 
It would be a lot. Restructure. Have, yeah, they can do it. They, I mean, yeah, and they have some cut candidates. I mean, it would, it would take some work, but you know, Kenny Galladay is going to be cheaper now than he would have been a year ago because he played all <laughs> what four games this year. Right. But he looked like himself in those four games. He was averaging almost sixteen and a half points a game in those four contests. Like he in his four full games, I should say. Um, I, did not, I did not include the one where he left with injury again and then never returned for the rest of the season. But he looked like himself when he was healthy. He's going to be a, he could, he's going to have wide receiver one potential. He was the wide receiver nine in total points last year. He was wide receiver thirteen in average points. If you just want to include his very short sample size this year, the just the problem is, is I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I don't know what the team's going to be. Uh, you know, does he leave Stafford and make an upgrade? Does he leave Stafford and downgrade? Like I. You know, or, or does he go somewhere where there's a rookie quarterback that you think there's some promise, but you're not quite sure what you're getting? So his value is going to be pretty volatile this offseason until we yeah. know where he signs. I'll give you an example, right? The Jets are going to be in the market for multiple wide receivers, either with, in free agency or in the draft. If Kenny Galladay is catching passes from Zach Wilson this year, what does that do to his value, right, compared to some of the other scenarios that you outlined? So, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board. Kenny Galladay, by the way, joining a team uh, that you've already picked, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, and Julio Jones for. Uh, so that is the crew there. We move on. 4.7, Jamie. We're past the midway point. And our second rookie coming off the board. We talked about Najee Harris at the top of this uh, podcast. We will now talk about Travis Etienne joining Nick Chubb, A.J. Brown, and Darren Waller. Well, I think you look at three pretty high floor players there. you got guys that are going to score a bunch of touchdowns for you. We've, we talked on the show a while back about A.J. Brown's absolutely stupid touchdown run that he was on this last year. You all know what Nick Chubb's about at this point. Darren Waller is a star and should be treated as such. So I think it gives this team a little bit of room to take a risk. And as same reasons I mentioned for Najee Harris, there's plenty of risky veterans behind him. So why not take the upside of Travis Etienne? Um, in our previous mock drafts, he's been mocked to the Falcons twice, which would be a phenomenal situation for him, I think, in terms of fantasy. It's not, I think Najee Harris with Arthur Smith would be a little bit more fun for real-life football, but I think for fantasy and the opportunity to play all three downs with really nobody else to steal touches from you becomes really interesting if ETN lands there. Dolphins were two, Jets were one, Arizona were one. Uh, I'm very curious to see where he goes. Uh, he has become a much better pass catcher over the course of his career. Uh, I think we've almost kind of gotten a little bit of RB1 fatigue with him. Uh, and I think there's a, and look, Najee Harris had a, an amazing season and it would probably be my pick if I had to pick one, but let's not forget about the greatness of Travis Etienne just because Najee Harris has had a really strong sure. run of play himself. Uh, he is an elite option. There are, there are two options for RB one. I don't see any, I don't see a Clyde Edwards, a like jump up. I don't see somebody that I go, yeah, but this player is a specific scheme fit that I like more. I like some of the North Carolina backs. I know everybody's high on the Ohio state backs, but I think they're mid round guys. Um, to me, I think if you're looking for players that could potentially be RB, low-end RB1s as a rookie, there are two options. It's Travis Etienne and it's Najee Harris, and it's going to a little bit depend on the situation. So I am willing to take a, a risk here with the players that I have. And again, this goes back to team construction a little bit. You know, if I would not advise this pick for the team that took Kenny Galladay, for example. Like, you know, you, Julio Jones is a little bit more risky. Aaron Jones, until we know where he lands, might be a little, a little bit risky. more risky. DeAndre Swift has got a new coaching staff. So I don't feel as comfortable. I love the upside of those guys, but I don't know if you could take another upside player or else you start to wonder, could this really turn bad on me? For a team like this, you have a high floor running back, a high floor RB1, a high floor wide receiver one, and a high floor tight end one. Take some chances with some of these mid-round picks. We move on, Jamie, and it has finally happened. We have gotten here to the fourth round, pick eight. And Jamie Eisner has typed, and you can see it on the draftnetwork.com. We're going to talk about it here. A quarterback is coming off the board. Jamie, 
Patrick Mahomes is the pick here joining James Robinson, Keenan Allen, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Explain your decision. Why was now the right time for you to dive in, cannonball into the deep end, and take a quarterback? I think, look, you've, we've talked about this on the show before. I'm a wait on quarterback guy. It, and for those of you that spent all that, all that capital on Mahomes, you got almost your investment back. Those of you that spent all the capital on Lamar Jackson did not. Uh, but to me, I am just, I'm wait. There, there, in single quarterback leagues, there are too many really quality options. Guys pop up in the late rounds that turn into top five players. Like, look where you were drafting Josh Allen. Look where you were drafting Kyler Murray. Look where even Deshaun Watson was going at points in drafts last year. Tom Brady. I mean, these are all guys, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, four of those guys finished in the top five. Tom Brady finished top 10. Like, you can get a lot of value here. But at this point, with two running backs already, which I think is the key here, and then a lot of options. Like, I, I, there's a lot of wide receiver options here. I thought it'd be okay to kind of dip my toe in the quarterback pool here. No, no, no. You cannonballed, whole... baby. You took Patrick Mahomes. I you, dipped my – You cannonballed. Dipped Splash. my toe. Dipped. You, you the, can't the, the say waters. that. It's, it, that's, like, that's like saying that you're concerned. Like, you, you know, you're like, ah, I'm just going to tell you. It's Patrick freaking Mahomes. You cannonballed, baby. I'm concerned about Patrick Mahomes. I'm concerned about taking a quarterback in the first, what is it, 50 picks. Like, I, don't, I just don't like doing it. But Mahomes, again, he, he paced the field this year on a per-game basis. Uh, hot take, I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL, Chris. What do you is think? That, is Thoughts? that he came off the board first here for you in terms of quarterback? One of the reasons. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the best. <laughs> like, a good, look, to me, there's only one option uh, to me, and it's, it's him. I think there's a debate at QB2, and we'll get into this later as we get into five, because I think there are, there are – that QB2 debate is going to have five players. It should have two in my mind, and we'll get into that at some point. Can I try to guess uh, the five? Sure, go for it. So I would assume, if we're talking QB2, yeah, that Josh Allen yep. and Lamar Jackson are the two that you think should be considered there. Correct. I think and they're more, in a tier of their own. And more than likely, the three others that will get added are Kyler, yep. Rogers, yep. Wilson. No, I don't. I don't think we'll, I don't think people are going to draft Wilson that high, given the way he he finished the season. I think Deshaun Watson, depending on where he oh, lands, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's, yeah, that gets put in that conversation. Uh, but yes, but to me, now Deshaun Watson gets interesting because his situation's changing. But for the most part, I think Lamar and Josh Allen are the clear like one of those is your QB two, the other is your QB three, and then I think there's another tier beneath them. Uh, people are going to love to draft Kyler Murray. I'm just not going to be not going not going to take him where he's going. I will have zero shares of Kyler Murray this year. I know that. I don't think he's going to be bad for fantasy. I just I just, I just know people value wise. Well, look what he did. And they're going to throw him up there with those guys. And I just, I'm not going to do it. We keep moving. Play play the, play the draft dudes one there. Just stop stop asking me. I'm not going to take Kyler Murray. All right, hold on. QB two. Fine. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go to a different, you got to have to give me a second. There's a different sound. There's a different sound page for, but we're going to pay this bit off because you wanted it. Yep. I'm not going to. So quit asking. Listen, we're if you need want a bit paid off, I, 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 will, I will pay it off. All right, I have to move We're going to need that on our board for okay. draft season because okay. I'm, I'm going to have to use that a lot. I will put it on there. No worries. Okay, we keep moving here. 4.9, just a couple more picks to go. Joining Alvin Kamara, DK Metcalf, and Allen Robinson. We've now – Jamie, we're back. You took Travis Etienne a couple picks ago. Now we're doing a little bit of a mini running back run. Joe Mixon, the next player off the board here from the Cincinnati Bengals. So aside from Zeke and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, my number three – where the hell am I going to rank this guy of the offseason? Is Joe Mixon. Uh, beats the hell out of me. This is kind of where I, I landed on him because he missed so much time. 
And when he was really only supposed to miss a couple of weeks, like I mean, if you had Joe Mixon this last year, you're very unhappy. And I, I imagine you're not exactly too excited to add him to your team in 2021, considering you're supposed to miss a couple of weeks. Then it was, well, maybe he'll come back after the bye. Then it was, well, maybe he'll come back this season. And then it just never happened. But he was so good this year when he got the opportunity. He was a top 10 running back, averaging more than 16.6 fantasy points per game. Uh, that's, again, and to put that in context to you, that's comparable to Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. I, I mean, so, and then if you go back to last year from weeks 10 to 17, he was a top seven running back. So you know what the upside potential is. You know what the injury risk is. You know what the volatility of his just fantasy value has been because he was bad in the first half of the 2019 season. But at some point, I just look at him and I go, there's too much talent to sit on the board any longer. Like, there, there's – he has a legit – like, if you tell me he plays 16 games or 15 games next year, or, or, or even out of 17, I know we have to adjust all our, our thought processes now. They're going to play 17 games. Well, we don't know yet, but, yeah, that's the assumption. They're going to play 17 games. They ain't taking the stuff off the board. But if he plays 90% of the season, let's just use her percentage for that, you know he's probably going to be an RB1. Mm-hmm. But how confident do you feel in that? How confident do you feel that Joe Burrow is going to be there for week one? Because if Burrow right. comes back week three, week four, week five, maybe Joe Mixon has a, a slow start. So, I mean, but I have to weigh all of these factors, but I just think it's worth pointing out that from that stretch of games from the middle of last season to where he got hurt this year, he was an elite caliber running back. And I just want that not to be forgotten, even though there was a ton of risk associated with him. Yeah, and, and I, I agree 100% uh, with everything you said there because I, I think it's very easy to fall into this trap of like looking at Joe Mixon and, and seeing some of the peaks and seeing some of those great games and going, oh, yeah, well, you'll get that. But you have to put it into context in terms of what kind of value you're getting. That's why he falls here to 4.9. Okay, a couple more picks here uh, in the fourth round, 4.10. Like I said, that running back uh, run is, is fully underway. David Montgomery joining Derrick Henry, Calvin Ridley, and Mike Evans and Jamie Mike. Listen, I'll ask you this question. This clearly means you're not buying uh, what uh, David Montgomery was selling in the second half of last year. No, he was the number one running back in total points from week 12 on. Go figure. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. That'd be a fun trivia question someday. But prior to that, he was the RB21, which is kind of where I expect David Montgomery to be. He's going to be hanging around that low-end RB2 territory. I just, I'm not sure I'm buying it. I understand there's something to be said for Matt Nagy gave up play calling. They start using David Montgomery more often. Trisky added a little bit of a jolt to the offense temporarily until it kind of fell off a cliff the last couple of weeks of the season, and he was more productive. My concern with David Montgomery is going to be, I don't think he's anything more than a slightly above average talent, uh, that I don't know if he's going to get that volume next year. The quarterback situation might be worse somehow, and Tui Cohen's coming back. And if Tariq Cohen's on the field for a lot of those third downs, like he was two years ago, and Montgomery's coming off the field for a lot of those third downs and passing down situations, that's going to limit his value a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to pay for what we saw over the final couple months of the season. I'm just not, I'm, I'm willing to be, and I'll say, I've said this on the show before, I'll say this on the show again. I'm willing to be wrong on this one at this stage. I'm willing to be wrong and have David Montgomery go out there and give you a top 15, top 12 fantasy season. I just can't stomach it. I think the risk here is that you get, if you, you take them too much higher than this, that you just, you're paying up for a low-end RB2. I'm just right. not going to take that risk. There are too many things potentially working against Montgomery next year to say, you know what, I'm not going to look at a six or seven, or was it six, five, six-game sample size and say that's, that's a different it. player yep. now. I'm just not willing to do it. 
especially with everything you mentioned working against you in that spot. I agreed on that one. All right, the, the running back run has come to an end. Jamie has said, no more, no mas. We're going back to wide receivers. So pick 411, joining Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and George Kittle. Again, that is just a weird team to read out. That, that is. is the way a team is constructed. They are adding Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson to the list. Yeah, so you have to go receiver here. You went running back, running back, tight end, which is a, a strange way to start a draft. And this is going to be the weird outlier team, as you can see. Dipped into the wide receiver pool here. And, and here's what I like about Deontay Johnson. And by the way, I'm fully expecting Ben Roethlisberger to be back next season. Uh, I know everybody freaked out, but... He's going to uh, restructure his cap number, Jamie, so... Well, he has to. And by the way, this is just going to push the paint out for Pittsburgh down the road. Like, this, this is the stuff that, like, New Orleans had to do and other teams have had to do on, on their own end. But... What I like about Deontay Johnson is volume. I mean, so when Ben Roethlisberger was his quarterback, he averaged 10.4 targets per game, including the playoffs. That is a monster workload. That's the kind of workload you see from guys that are going in round one and two at the wide receiver position. It's a massive workload. I don't anticipate he'll be quite as bad drop-wise this year. Look, I think Ben's arm shot. I get it. But that doesn't mean you're not going to get a lot of quick options to Deontay Johnson. And that's what you saw a lot. You saw a lot of these eight, nine, ten reception games for him. That'll win you some weeks. He was the wide receiver 18 total points. Average points, he was wide receiver 20. I do not expect Juju Smith-Schuster to be back next year. So that's one less option. We're going to see a lot of him. And Chase Claypool is going to be the top two options there in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think he has a real shot to be a top 15 wide receiver in PPR next year. Jamie, I mean, this is not, not to go too real football here on you, but this team did start the year 11 and 0. They were having success on the offensive side of the ball. So it doesn't, it's not as if you're asking, you know, the Steelers offense to completely reinvent themselves, right? I mean, they, they had success in the early part of the season. And now, like you mentioned, without Juju, you basically just move everybody up a spot. That means Deontay Johnson's going to be able to thrive. And look, the reality is if Juju's not going to be there over the middle, who is going on these short routes? Like, who are they going to use? They're not going to mm -hmm. use James Washington in that spot. They're not going to use Chase Claypool in that spot. It's going to open up more opportunities. Well, yes, Deontay Johnson can be a vertical threat when he's needed to be, but there aren't going to be vertical threats on Pittsburgh because Ben has to throw him the ball. It's like there were no vertical threats in New Orleans this year because Drew Brees couldn't get the ball there. So if they're going to have to go to a high-volume base, it's going to be Johnson, who already had a ton of volume, and now you're taking a guy that got the second-most volume out of the lineup. Mm -hmm. I, I like the potential there. I think he's got a pretty high floor. And if he's going to get me 10.4 targets per game, I don't even care. Like, because what's the worst case scenario that he's your wide receiver 22? Mm -hmm. That's the worst case scenario? Like, that sort of volume just gives you a tremendous floor. Uh, and I know everyone's going to be tantalized with Chase Claypool, who if he had a quarterback that had a more lively arm at this stage would be the option. I think Chase Claypool just has oodles of talent. But do you trust Ben to get him the ball consistently anymore? I don't know if I do. Right. That's going to be the big thing is what Ben looks like uh, in, in 2021. All right. Last pick here, Jamie, as we do this bonus episode of the fourth round of your way too early fantasy mock draft, another wide receiver joining Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and J.K. Dobbins, Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals. And Jamie, this is a wide receiver who we, we know pretty well, but his quarterback situation a little bit up in the air since you don't know whether or not Joe Burrow will be healthy to play week one of the regular season. Don't forget about Tyler Boyd. Okay. There is value Not to be had because Joe Burrow got hurt, the Bengals suck, and everybody loves T. Higgins. Don't forget about Tyler Boyd. When Joe Burrow was playing his first 11 games of Joe Burrow's rookie season, he was averaging as the wide receiver 11 
or excuse me, the wide receiver 14 in average points, wide receiver 11 in total points with Joe Burrow. I, you know what you're going to get with him. He's going to give you wide receiver two value all the time. He's a tremendous fantasy talent. He always is underrated. He's underrated in every fantasy draft he's been in for like the last three years. We always sit back and go, why is Tyler Boyd going this late? It's going to happen again here. I'm even willing to take a few weeks of Joe Burrow not being there because I think when Joe Burrow is there, when it's going to be Boyd and Higgins leading the way, Boyd's going to have weeks where he's going to give you wide receiver one value. And I would not be surprised to see him finish somewhere around wide receiver 12, wide receiver 13, if things break right for the time that he's with Burrow. So to me, he's somebody that I, I, I love to have in this spot. I would love to have him as my wide receiver too. I already got two running backs on my team. Got Justin Jefferson at the top. Love having him as a wide receiver too, because I think he's got a tremendously high floor, but he's got a pretty decent ceiling too. Like he doesn't have top five or top eight wide receiver ceiling, but he does have top 12 wide receiver ceiling. And to kind of get that here at the four or five turn, I think is tremendous. And he's a player that's probably going to be undervalued because of the way things ended in Cincinnati this past season. And there you have it. The fourth round of Jamie's way too early fantasy football mock draft. There are three rounds for us left to go over. The fifth round, which was written, I believe, this week, Jamie. The sixth round, which will drop next Tuesday. And listen, I'll, we'll be transparent with you with everything going on with uh, that big game that's being played next week. We're not sure when we're going to be able to pick this back up. We are going to do podcasts for the last three rounds of this five, six, and seven, just with everything that's been going on and everything that will be going on over the next week. Don't know when these are going to drop, so we didn't want to get too far behind. That's why you get this bonus episode. Exactly. Like we're going to pick this back up. We're going to see this through the end here, and we're going to have plenty of fantasy content, dynasty content, rookie content. I mean, all that stuff is, is coming, so don't you worry. But uh, next week, understandably, uh, we're going to make sure we're settled in for all the Super Bowl coverage. And again, as a reminder, as we said at the very top, look forward to on Monday the best fantasy destinations for Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford, senior bowl running backs and receivers that could be interesting fantasy values for you in your 2021 drafts and plenty of Super Bowl week news and notes. I know Jake will be fired up uh, heading into the week. I saw he already had his Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl shirt on today. Uh, he, I don't think he probably sleeps with it at this point. Um, so I, I'm really excited for this coming week and we'll get into every conceivable angle over these last couple of days. And we're going to have a lot of fun later in the week. I already teased the video show we're going to be doing a little bit, but that's going to include all these amazing prop bets. And if you like prop bets, there is no day in the sports calendar that can touch Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. No. Period. End of story. Yeah. And there are some fun ones this year available at Bet Online. So you can already bet on them, by the way. You don't have to wait on us. You can go to betonline.ag and bet on a bunch of them right now, but we will break them all down for you next week. So uh, thank you for joining us on this little, this little mock draft journey that we continue to be on, but don't fret. You have plenty of Chiefs Bucks content coming your way next week. Yep, and, and that's the reason why we had this bonus episode for you here uh, on a Friday. So, uh, yeah, everybody have a great weekend. Jamie, where can everybody follow you on Twitter? Because I know you're going to post You post this story on Twitter a bunch once it gets updated and everything like that. So where can everybody follow you for that content? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and follow the show at TDN Fantasy. Just follow at the Draft Network. You're going to get all the content that you need throughout. And uh, I'll ask you, Chris, how can they follow you? You, you, need, you need a follower boost. We both do. We both pale in comparison to Paige. But she's not on the show right now, so we, I can act like the big, the big follower of the bunch. It feels like a trap because you have control of the Zoom meeting. And it feels no, like you I'm not were setting me up there. It felt like a ruse. But it's, not at, today, it's at Shoe Radio on Twitter. S-C-H-U uh, Radio is where you can follow me. Yes, go ahead. You look like you I want say other people to enjoy your torment. 
So it doesn't, it doesn't do as, it doesn't do much for me to just when torment just you us. when it's just you and I on the podcast. Yeah. I, okay. I need there to be an audience to watch you suffer. Yeah. But that's the thing though. But like the way you set it up, you're like, you know what, Chris, why don't you tell everybody where they can find it? Just, it just, I've known you long enough to just know when I'm walking into a trap and it felt like a, it felt like a trap. Like it felt you like wanna, I was stepping in the hole. You want to have an honest moment right now? Sure. I didn't even think about it, but I wish I would have because that's exactly how I would have set it up. So see, I, I'm I just, smart I just didn't enough think to about know. It. It did not come to mind. I'm smart enough to know the situation, but you just, you just didn't, uh, didn't think about it ahead of time. All right, that is going to do it for us here on the podcast. Hope you all enjoy. Everybody have a great weekend. And like Jamie said, we'll be back on Monday, the beginning of our Super Bowl content. We'll talk to you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.